0: what got you motivated to come and share your journey
1: um i think it was uh just as you know um any student that goes down the path of looking for continuing education um you have to really kind of decide on what resources are available and out here in the states there's a lot of resources that are available toward uh education but it is really heavily convoluted with uh between profit and nonprofit colleges, and so it's kind of hard to really kind of filter out, um, you know, what is the best path, what is the the best path uh, for you, and ideally as a, as um, which education route you're going to go. So for me, when I when I saw what you were doing and um, the forum that you're creating, I saw value in it, and I figured, you know,
0: yeah.
1: here's an opportunity to throw in
0: my two cents. Welcome to the MBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hello again, folks. Welcome to another episode of the NBA Jam. This is your host and founder, Avinash. Today, we have someone who, frankly speaking, I was intimidated to speak to. (laughs) I'll tell you why. Today, we're speaking to Michael Pena, who has done his MBA from Pepperdine University in the U.S., Michael works as Principal Project Manager at Pacific Gas and Electric Company. And his LinkedIn profile says he manages complex projects with budgets of $6 million plus. I think, Michael, that was intimidating me a bit because I usually speak to startups whose even, you know, one round of funding is sometimes half that amount. And I was just not able to relate to your world about gas and electric so I was nervous whether I would screw this up, either asking you questions that may seem really small scale or run the risk of coming across boring but not having something relevant uh, to ask you. But at the same time, I was really curious to understand um, you know, what you have done and how your MBA has contributed towards what you do. Uh, what do you think, Michael? Do I sound nervous?
1: <laughs> uh, no, no, actually, but uh, I, I like the direction of the conversation, so... Um. <laughs>
0: Doing a great job, thank you. Be great. So, so back to uh, Michael's introduction. Um, he's done his bachelor's from Fresno Pacific University, uh, MBA from Pepperdine, as I mentioned earlier, and he's also done a certificate course from Stanford University. Michael's career has transitioned mainly across project management and operations, but for over ten years, he's also worked in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. I found it really interesting. We'll we'll explore that more in today's show. Michael, officially, welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, to be on your show. <laughs>
0: no worries. So, Michael, how would you like to describe your journey in your own words? And, you know, what else would you like to add to my introduction?
1: Um, I think pretty much in in short, you really kind of nailed it. Um, but just to add a little content. Um, yeah, my background uh, overall, just... Uh, over into uh, project management, program management, um, and the operation side. And um, it's, it's kind of diversified overall, but pretty much that's kind of where uh, has been the strength during my journey when it's going through my education uh, from undergrad to grad school. It's always been that same platform of using those uh, skill sets that I can transition into different job roles and um, use them in the school settings.
0: Great, great. So, Michael, what is what does your day to day job or day to day work look like at this moment? Can you can you give a very brief um, overview of that?
1: Yeah. So, my current role is um, my background is in IT and business. So, as um, as a project manager, I'm I'm the the bridge between IT and the business when it comes to building requirements and and taking on. Uh, different type of projects, so I could do projects from the application side or on the construction side, uh, such as, you know, building infrastructure or doing redesigns to uh, like an Oracle-based product or a different type of uh, software that uh, Pacific Gas and Electric uses. Um, In my particular role, I I oversee large initiatives that uh, end up uh, providing a return of value to the business, such as uh, cost savings, uh, cost benefits, um, and so, uh, Pretty much, I oversee projects from start to finish. Um, and from there, just really kind of taking a project through its life cycle. And then um, being that, as I mentioned, the bridge, being able to communicate you know, IT technology uh, language into a, a business um, language and have that, uh, that common uh, language b- between both uh, organizations so that when we start building out um, different type of efforts related to the project, there is that common uh, sink of uh, communication.
0: I see, I see. So right now you're in Pacific Gas and Electric Company, which is based out of uh, California. And you've been there for four years?
1: Yeah, I've been over there. So I've been with uh, almost about five years. Uh, I was contracting with them for a little bit. And then I went into an FTE role. And Pacific Gas and Electric is... um, One of the top three large utilities in California. Uh, It has over 22,000 employees and pretty much the territory spans from Northern California. So if you look at the state of California, it would be from Bakersfield all the way up toward the the Oregon border. Um, That is uh, the territory of Pacific Gas and Electric.
0: I see, I see, I see. So, of course, you know, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. Um, you know, you've done your bachelor's from Fresno Pacific University, as I mentioned. So after your bachelor's, I was just trying to draw your timeline. Um, so what did you do after your bachelor's? Is that when you went into uh, the U.S. Air Force Reserve?
1: So um, when I actually, I I went into the military uh, right after September 11th. So that was in 2002. Um, and I actually did my bachelor's um, several years when I was actually uh, in the military. I did uh, actually education uh, uh, a little later on in life uh, compared to uh, most. So um, for the timeline, it was, what you're looking at is um, I graduated in about 2009, uh, if I recall 2009, 2010, uh, with my bachelor's from uh, Fresno-Pacific. And then from there, uh, shortly thereafter, I transitioned into uh, going into an MBA program. I
0: see. I see. So what what motivated you to go for an MBA, first of all?
1: I would say looking how to really diversify my career package uh, when it comes to where I want to be in the next, you know, two to five years, 10 years. Um, and so looking at what would be the next step, um, the best thing was to do is to go into an MBA program. Um, as a stepping stone and ultimately to go into a doctorate program. And so um, I kind of looked at both both uh, future goals and see how I could align them and what would give me a higher success rate of being able to get accepted into a uh, top-tier school. My, my, my uh, constraint or my requirement uh, for going down into the graduate path was to make sure that the school that is chosen and the path that it goes falls into a, a top-tier uh, 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 college um, that would really kind of uh, add, the, add the touches to uh, what I need for my future goals.
0: I see. I see. So, so how, how was the expectation <laughs> um, you know before going into MBA and how has the reality, how, how has the comparison been from what you expected to what it's translated in, in practical terms?
1: So my, my expectations, um, you know, when I, when I went into um, the program, it really was to sit back and try to change my way of thinking as my experience. Um, as I mentioned, I, I started a, a education later on in life. And so um, in my particular uh, MBA program, I, I went into an executive MBA program, which you were required to have. A um, certain certain years uh, of management experience and uh, and life skills and things like that in order to actually even be considered into that program. Yeah. So when I looked at um, looked at going down the executive MBA path, it was it was um, really kind of you know this was the perfect time uh, in my life to be able to do it and how I could be able to um, move forward that balancing work life family life and, and and school life
0: i see i see so was was your exec mba sponsored by the company you were working in back then
1: um back then it actually well it wasn't sponsored per se as in uh the company paid for it but it was supported from the company and so during my path um i've had full support from the company and i used uh uh, my capstone project as, as what we call it, um, mm-hmm. to actually make changes and, uh, and, uh, you know, spare up some initiatives with, uh, that research that was conducted
0: for that MBA. Right. Which, where were you working back then, uh, during your MBA?
1: So my MBA, so it was with Pacific Gas and Electric. So if you're looking at a timeline, I see. um, it's, you know, the MBA program was, uh, two years and I, I started it when I had joined at Pacific
0: Gas and Electric. I see, I see. So, so, it's MBA is really interesting, right? Because um, you're, you're actually uh, working or alongside, you know, studying. So, were you able to take, you know, take away the experiences or, or what you were studying in the classroom back to your organization?
1: Yes, uh, most definitely. When, it's kind of different when you're, when you look at uh, traditional MBA programs for uh, individuals that's um, usually just you know, finish high school, they go through uh, undergrad and then they go straight to uh, a grad program. You're learning a lot of theory and um, in an executive MBA program, you are plugged in and you're bringing in real world uh, issues and you have your resources and the expertise to help you be able to solve those issues. And then you can take whatever frameworks that are taught. um and be able to apply that immediately. Um, so that is that was the one of the biggest benefits of it is what you've learned. Um, you were able to use compared to keeping it in a toolbox and saving it for a later date
0: yeah yeah, absolutely no that that's that's so true we, I, I've had a couple of guests over here who have done the exec MBA and and the experiences we share notes because um, I have I've done a full time MBA they've done the exec MBA so it's it's really interesting to compare the experiences in in terms of support uh, from the company as as you mentioned um, so how was your exec MBA structured um, you know was it was it uh, three days a week, four days a week, was it weekends and a few evenings? How was that?
1: So it was an average about every three weeks and it was over a weekend, um, over a Friday and Saturday. And it was pretty much, you're looking at, you know, eight to 10 hours each day on that Friday and Saturday. And then from there, you had, and the executive MBA programs are, they're like a cohort program. So what you were um, plugged into is, you um, Besides your schooling, then you have your, uh, your, your team or your, your, your group that you're working with that you have your other deliverables throughout the time frame. So um, every three weeks was class session, and then I would say maybe two or three times a week you're touching base with uh, your groups or your peers in order to be able to uh, address or tackle the you know, the assignments and, and the things that were part of uh, the requirements
0: of graduating. Right, right. Did you did you ever consider doing a full time MBA?
1: Honestly, I, I, I yes and no. <laughs> um, uh, having a full time MBA, you know, if I was younger, I would have considered it. But I think you know the best path for you know individuals who actually have work experience and who've been into um, who have the capability to you know, still do school, but can't afford to separate uh, work from that. Um, it really was the best path for me was to go to the executive MBA route. Um, and they had the part-time programs that were available just as much, but because of the expertise and my background, um, it was a better fit to be placed with uh, other executives and um, managers, that, uh, managers, directors, VPs, directors. Uh, we had a a variety of students from different backgrounds that were able to share their insights from their industries and contribute um, real world either solutions or problems that you can tackle as a whole. And it's kind of different when you're in a full-time MBA program, you don't have that. uh, uh, I consider it's a luxury and it's a, it's a, um, a, a strong benefit to be able to have a work life and a, uh, education program balance because you get to leverage both, especially for an MBA program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Did you, um, uh, okay. I'll just go to a different question. I'll come back. I'll come back to the question I had in mind later. So why, why Pepperdine?
1: So with Pepper, uh, with Pepperdine, when oh, I, is it
0: Pepperdine? Sorry, I've been pronouncing it, it wrong yeah. all along. <laughs> no
1: <laughs> worries, no uh, worries. With Pepperdine University, um, when I did undergrad, it, it was a it was a private Christian uh, university, and uh, Pepperdine Pepperdine is um, also a, a private Christian university, but also it falls into the top tier schools. Uh, I was looking at UCLA, I was looking at um, various different executive MBA programs, but with uh, Pepperdine, I was really fascinated with the the expertise and, um, the background of, uh, the professors. And so I looked at background of professors and I looked at, uh, the network that would have been, uh, that's available as part of, um, being an alumni. And I saw that as, as tools that I can use, uh, for the future. And it's something that is, uh, a, a valuable, um, thing to consider when you're picking an MBA college, you need to, Look at not only you know the quality of ed- education that you're going to receive, but also what type of tools are available to you after you graduate, because uh, in our world, when it comes to IT and business, networking is something that is very um, critical, and you can leverage uh, those networks at any point in time, and I've done so in my own career
0: so so, what were your factors when you were doing your research um you know t- uh, choosing between the universities was it the strength of uh, you know i t or was it the strength of project management was the strength of um you know gas and electric uh, so what what were some of your key criteria points
1: so key well first it was uh you know you know proximity from my home um Uh, the market that they had influence on Pepperdine has both, uh, the Northern, uh, Area Silicon, and they also have Los Angeles. They have a satellite campuses. Um, and so when I was looking at, you know, the schedule of the schooling, the amount of hours that, uh, I need to add into my personal schedule. Um, and from there looking at the type of, People that will be in the program. And so for me, long term is a goal to be a VP. And so when I got to um, meet the other peers and and know that was there, it was, it was dealing really with, you know, where did I want to be at? And, you know, in the future, who can I connect with the quality of teaching from uh, the professors? And from there, you know, what would be the overall um, networking opportunity? and um, resources that would be open to me, uh, particularly with that school. And so when it came down to it at the time, it was either between UCLA or uh, Pepperdine, and you know, I realized that you know maybe it might be better for me just to go into a, a private university. And um, so I just explored both options, and I found that Pepperdine was a better fit.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I see. I see. So you know, of course, you're in California, and and there must be a big influence of of Silicon Valley. Um, have you have you ever thought much about you know these these um, technological companies or more the emerging technologies that are coming up? Have you ever thought about transitioning to those kind of uh, industries, or um, is this the kind of industry you want to be in?
1: So I, I think with my background, I've always, um, fell into a regulated utility industry. So when I started off with, uh, Pacific Bell, SBC, AT&T, the mobile systems, um, California has a, uh, a regulated industry. And so PGE or Pacific Gas and Electric is uh, one of those, uh, corporations that fall into a regulated industry. So, it just so happened that was the path. I am very open into emerging markets and and uh, technology and, and the way that the market is moving. Um, and so that's something that I've always keep a pulse on. Um, but then with with the company with uh, Pacific Gas and Electric and, and it's a very strong company, and it's a something that's kind of uh, had the challenges. Um, in many different areas, but it's also one of those things where when you look at, you know, having your MBA, could you use that MBA into your organization? And so, um, as I said, I'm open to, to exploring other options, but then again, it's also the consideration of, you know, can I leverage the skills that were learned in order to be able to make uh, changes or, or change a strategy?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting that you talk about leveraging the MBA because it it, it makes me ask one pertinent question. So how, how was your class structured or how was your cohort cohort structured? Um, since you are not working in a traditional, I'm saying traditional because probably because I'm working in a t- technological industry, but since you're not working in a Silicon Valley kind of technological industry, I'm sure you were bringing in a lot of diversity to the class with, with a different perspective. Um, how was the rest of the cohort structured
1: so the the cohort itself i mean it was it was various backgrounds um we had you know uh, executives from you know large banks um intel so we've had in the cohort the way it's structured you had a, div- a diverse background from marketing banking um you know the the, the hospitality uh, industry you know uh, healthcare and even satellite missile space we, the backgrounds were were so unique and the way it was structured is we've our cohort we came in um and pretty much you had your check-ins to you know beco- before class started uh the first day was always a check-in to so kind of get a pulse of where we're at and i was very fortunate enough um since uh, we have uh, had managers and above um it was, you know, what's going on in our industry, what's happening. And since there is a lot of people that were plugged in into um, the Silicon Valley, we got to, you know, get a better understanding of what strategies they're moving towards. And, you know, just as my realm of of, of um, in the utility industry, how we're seeing the emerging market with smart home technologies and things like that. So, it really was a tight knit course. You're close to your peers. You're spending a lot of hours with them, and from there. Um, it was pretty much professors would, you know, talk about whatever the sign topic would be, and then from there we all contributed into um, that specific point, either using real-world examples or trying to look at frameworks that can address a, a problem uh, scenario.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. So, do do you see the utility industry being disrupted by um, any any Um, technological advancements that are happening again probably this goes to my ignorance about the whole industry uh, you know per se Uh, but but since you keep a pulse on um, the software technological industry do you you think the scope of the utility industry being disrupted by anything that could come up?
1: Yeah actually I did my capstone project focusing on um, out here in California and in the states we have something which is called a community choice aggregation which basically is it lets a municipality or a, 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 a collections of cities procure their own energy and basically become their own utility. Mm-hmm. Um, with this type of change, it, it actually came about in 2010, but is it has shaking up uh, the, the investor-owned utilities such as San Diego um, Gas and Electric. Uh, you got Edison Utility, you got Pacific Gas and Electric. Um, and basically what happens is, so let's say if we were to use an example um, in a, a Marin county, Marin county has a, has a territory and all the residents that live in that territory, once that program comes online, if it's five hundred thousand people that live in that territory, once that program comes online, they automatically are removed from an investor-owned utility and moved over to. Um, the municipality. And so in our world, um, it's actually, this is disruptive. It's a new type of, uh, um, it's a, it's a disruptor and it's literally changed the scope of how, um, investor owned utilities done business before. Uh, it was pretty much in a sense, kind of a monopoly system, mm-hmm. large territory. We had the infrastructure and you belong to us. But now since this has changed, it's now where you're seeing a utility can have, you know, 5 million customers and with one year lose 50% of their customer base to these communicate, uh, these, uh, community choice programs. So that's all, you know, a, a kind of a spin-off of renewable energy and, um, on how to, you know, reduce, uh, carbon footprints and things like that. But, uh, it's something we are seeing right now. And it's, uh, a real-world scenario that's that's happening. It's kind of fascinating because we're now seeing strategies change compared to the status quo of what they've known, and they're venturing into new areas that um, since this is a disruptor and it hasn't had uh, – it, it's a new area um, and it's a new type of uh, uh, service model or, excuse me, business model that has been created, it's really causing a lot of uh, strategy changes for the investor – on utility in order to be able to maintain competition and sustain competition
0: interesting so is this is this something that's uh, limited to a few states or is this something that any state can take advantage of in, in 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 the u.s
1: so i know that it's in certain states um i only can speak more from california but i do know that uh, there's a couple other states pennsylvania um and some other uh, states that do have these aggregated programs um so it's it's what has been changing the market, but this business model and this, this type of uh, um, program is actually, from my understanding if I recall, was actually coming out from um, Australia, the UK, and so we just finally caught wind of it um, you know, within the last few years of these programs being rolled out and we're adjusting our strategy to, to be able to sustain our competition.
0: I see. I see. Interesting. So who, who, who do you think are the biggest winners and losers? <laughs> it's,
1: you really can't say winners or losers. Cause it, I looked at it from, when I did my capstone, I, 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 I focused on both the community choice uh, side and then I focused on the utility side. Um, for a, municipality to go into an aggregated program i mean they're creating jobs they can create revenue they can create over 2500 jobs that pay over a hundred thousand dollars a year and it, it lets them be able to have that economic benefit at you know the municipality level um so right now you have your winners in a sense from the investor-owned utility side and then you have your winners from uh, you really can't say winners, but you got the leaders who actually are the ones that all the other programs look up to, that are maintaining um, a constant—I uh, would say—tension when it comes to competition. So it's forcing the investor-owned utilities to switch their model compared to procuring and providing energy. Now they're moving into a service delivery model because an uh, aggregated program doesn't have to have the infrastructure, such as you know. Uh, utility pole substations they can force the utility to be the delivery of that energy so both have their winners and they both have their pros and cons but all i can say is it's it's very fascinating to be able to see this type of uh, uh, shift happen in the yeah. utility industry
0: yeah absolutely it's it is i've only learned something new today <laughs> um, and it, it it might have good uh, I, I already feel like I, i'll do go to and sue's research on it uh, I'm from India. So, of course, you know, these kind of concepts are really fascinating because um, there are a lot of segments that are not, um, the utilities are not all supplied properly. So, such a model, I, I feel, can have a big impact on not just one or two countries, but also globally at some point of time.
1: And I totally agree. It's like I said, for me, when I took on this subject, I, I had minimal knowledge of it and I had to play both. Uh, both sides of the fence, and I saw value on both sides of the fence, but it is something that it's really, when you look at how energy is and uh, the retail electricity markets, home energy, uh, renewable energy, it's one of those things where you're seeing, you know, the technology um, industry having a heavy influence and to be able to make these changes. And it's either you adapt to the changes and adjust your model to be able to sustain or you're going to get left behind and pretty much, you know, will be the close of a close of your story if you're not willing to adjust your strategy
0: yeah yeah true so this of course you know you, you either doing your MBA or doing your capstone so that was a good uh, you know learning or outcome out of it um, what else do you think you know you're able to take away from your MBA experience something so do you think an MBA actually gave you the opportunity to uh, study uh, the model with a framework something that you're able to relate in practical terms and then possibly also go ahead and apply it because of the other concepts that you might have studied during the business? Or do you think this is something you you would or could have done even without the MBA, which was just some time and focus?
1: So it's, it, you know, I could, I could look at it from two different perspectives on going through an MBA program. You definitely get a real formalized, Structure on how to how to approach research, what frameworks that uh, need to be used, how to be able to communicate, um, you know, uh, go into a a, to really understand the problem and then break it down systematically on how to tackle that problem, that uh, that uh, particular problem. Um, It let me going to an MBA leveled, actually brought my, uh, the way I had my uh, viewpoint uh, to a higher level. Um, Because on the same side of it, even if I didn't go into an MBA program, I leveraged a lot of my, uh, my project management skills um, to be able to kind of do the same approach. But really, I'm really, one thing that me studying uh, those type of frameworks that an MBA program has that I couldn't get was how do I connect with, you know, executives such as, you know, VPs, you know, from large fortune 500s or fortune 100s. And how do I get that perception and start learning how to take that high level view and also bring it down to a very low level detail view. That's one thing that um, you will not be able to get uh, from a, textbook, uh, per se, you can get, you know, the frameworks and a the theory, but in business, we're, we're really looking at a lot of lessons learned, and how do we take those lessons learned, and, you know, try to take advantage of, of, of those, um, that knowledge to be able to help influence a decision. And so, in this case, I would say I would still lean, if I was to go back again, I would have still gone down um, the MBA path only because it falls in line with my goals of moving into an officer role in the future. If I didn't have that goal, the frameworks and skills can be learned if you're diligent and you were to um, have those resources available to you. So depending on the individual's goal is really going to be the answer to that question
0: yeah i think i think i can really see the relevance um to 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 your particular aspect because it of course gave you the opportunity to network uh uh you know with with um, senior stakeholders and executives of some companies and really allowed you to amplify uh, your your experience and your ambition. Um, in, in my case, it did not have the same effect, possibly because I changed industries and I changed my role. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right. It comes down to uh, what kind of um, outputs you want to derive. Uh, out of the MBA, whether you want to amplify or whether you want to use that as an opportunity to go and do something else, because an MBA has given you the confidence that you could take your existing skills and go and apply it somewhere else. Cool. Um, and I, s- sorry, go on. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, that 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 was a very interesting perspective that I got out of your statement. <laughs>
1: And so also, I guess, you know, one thing to kind of, I mean, when you talk about industries, I went from telecommunication industry, however, it was regulated. I went into uh, energy utility industry, still regulated. You still have that, those, those common, um, those common, yeah, uh, you, you still have those common skill yeah. sets and uh, that are transferable. But then also, you know, as we mentioned, I mean, I, I was also in, 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 a, in a government Um Uh, Industry with with being in the military as well. And so it's one of those things I guess for me What I can say is being a project manager uh, um, Project manager excuse me project manager. I've been a program manager um, I've been a manager over subordinates things like that. I really looked at you know, what skills are transferable across the industry and from there How can I build those skills? And if I transition into a new industry, you still have those frameworks because once you know how to manage a project, um, you know those frameworks pretty much come across whether it's going to be the application side, the construction side. And so for me, the way I saw it was, you know, if I really strengthened my my core my core uh, skill sets, then at least when it comes to the future, you know. I won't be limited by an industry per se um, because of the fact is there is that those, co- those, those, as you, those transferable skills that every role has um, and then the knowledge transfer, how the company does business, the direction, the processes and things like that, that always can be learned. Um, but that's kind of, you know, my experience and how I seen it was, you know, leverage what I can do currently, what do I have? And, really capitalize and focus on that to be able to um, come across those various industries. And that's how, for me, I overcame. If I didn't have that, I would have, I would have really kind of pigeonholed and really would have been stuck in telecommunications um, and not really be able to
0: move out. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So, you know, when you're talking, you, you, you seem to be very conscious and very deliberate about the steps or the thought process you had. Uh, was it always the case or is this something you've really discovered along the way? I'm trying to understand how much of that you knew before you did your MBA and as opposed to how much of that has slowly grown over time.
1: Gotcha. So if you were to ask, um, so the, the skill sets that I had previously before an MBA, such as project management all that, that's always been with me. Um, I've been doing that for many years. So the thought process as a PM, when we look at things, it's very you know systematic. What's the next step? Where do you want to be? As long as we know where the objective is and the focus is going to be at. Um, so being able to take that skill set into an MBA program now added that capability of, okay, now let's look at it not only from an individual contributor, supervisor, manager, or director role. Let's look at it now from... A higher level role of, you know, strategy. That's one thing where um, it's something that I'm very passionate about that I I love when it comes to business strategy, looking at and and foreseeing things. And that's the that's the skill set I didn't have that I did learn um, and got exposed to as part of, you know, that MBA program.
0: What what was the most contributing factor uh, for you to learn that kind of skill set? Did it come out of um, uh, lecturers? Did it come out of your cohort? Did it come out of or, or did it just come out of your own introspection?
1: <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I think what it is is everything that you get it contributes to the meal overall. Um, for me, I'm very uh, if my personality types, I'm very and intro- uh, uh, I'm an introvert, so I'm very analytical by nature. So when I started hearing all the different data points, variables, all that stuff, then one day just the picture made sense. It's sometimes as if you're driving through the fog, you get patches of fog, but you can see clarity, but you still get patches of fog. Then when you go through a program, the fog is lifted away, and you're able to make those connections. Some of the connections can be things that you've already known, but now you have the academic term associated with that framework. Or it could be something as um you know having no expertise in a particular area but learning a framework and you associate it with a similar framework that you've had in your own arsenal um coming in and that's for me i had my own toolbox that i've been very fortunate enough to have that i was able to leverage those skills to be able to help me uh uh, get through an mba program um and still be able to sharpen those skills with with uh from the professors and your and your peers um, that were in the program, it was it was really a constant grind of continual learning and changing your perspective. And it's that's one thing you have to be very open to when you go into an executive MBA program, um, because your thoughts will be challenged, and your uh, the way you've traditionally done things might not be the the right. strategy for sustainability for the future for an organization or for a corporation or whatnot so it's it's one of those things where it's i would say really understand what you want to get from the program what you have existingly and how you can leverage both and that would be my recommendation if you're going to go down into an mba path have those kind of uh understand those um understand those key attributes about yourself and what you're trying to do compared to just jumping into an MBA program and thinking it's going to be the, the the remedy that's going to be the answer to everything you're looking for. Because the reality is in an MBA program, you still have to put the time in and you put the costs for Pepperdine. You know, the MBA program is over $130,000. So if I'm going to spend a large sum of money for that education, I want to leverage everything I have before I go into the program and what i will
0: learn into the program yeah yeah completely agreed and and that's why you know not just you but a, a lot of the guests have have touched upon the same topic and that's why i'm a big proponent of you know getting getting some experience on the belt uh, and and then taking it from there because it is an investment uh, it is an investment of money largely uh, a lot of time you know opportunity cost of doing something else and more often than not you, you don't see people doing multiple mbas right it's it's people might do multiple masters courses or from masters they might do a, a phd uh, or something along those lines or they do a lot of certificate courses but mba is something which is a one time thing more often than not so so michael you all of your experiences are, are so positive <laughs> let me ask you a flip question. Do you have any regrets um, over over time?
1: I would say regrets. Looking into, you know, having an MBA. Um, when you're spending a large sum of money for your education, you really want to make sure that the cost that you're putting into for that degree has its payouts. I'm very fortunate enough that, you know, the program that I went really worked out um, for what my goals were. Um, If I didn't have those goals, I would say it wouldn't be the best path um, for myself. And so I really wish that I would have done MBA sooner. I wish I would have done it at a younger age and, and, um, at least start going down the business path for an MBA and be ready to go into a doctorate program. So it's kind of really one of those things where it's, I've had great experiences, but I can't really say I had really any negative experiences that came with it and not trying to be an individual to say, you know, my university was, was, you know, great because every university you're going to attend is going to have its challenges. Are they teaching current information? Is it how, how good is the use case? Is it, you know, within the last year or it could be three years old? Things like that. I mean, you got those challenges overall. But as looking for regrets uh, toward the choice, not really. I, I really can't really think of a solid <laughs> thing to say I disliked the program. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. Um, And so for me, when I went through it, I've I've had family and I had children and I had a newborn. So I've had other areas pulling. Mm -hmm. So if if it was a time frame, it would have been a different time frame where I really didn't have all those constraints. But nonetheless, also those constraints actually help really sharpen your skill sets and help you really prioritize the workload that you have, and so it's you can look at it both ways, positive or negative.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How about besides the MBA? You know, uh, looking at your younger self, knowing what you know now, you know, generally over your career, is is that something you would have done differently looking back?
1: I'm sorry, can you say the question again? You cut out.
0: Yeah, sorry. So what I was saying is. Uh, Besides the MBA, you know, generally looking at how your career has, has transitioned over time, uh, is, is that one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Not just MBA, but anything to do with career.
1: Uh, I, for career, um, I would say I, I'm more of, um, if, I, if I could go back to my younger self and look at, you know, focusing, I, I think I would have more, I focused more on the IT uh, aspect of things compared to the business side um, just because of just the way the industry is going now um, it's really kind of one of those things where I look at my career progression it's it's been it's balanced I've, I've had a, a diverse experience and I've always held to that motto, once you start something you You don't quit so once you make that commitment you see it through i think that's what's been the key rule that's that's really kind of helped me be balanced um i would just think that you know if i had more time to analyze something i have more time to be able to research something um, i would have really kind of focused on time management as an area just so that i can feel that i got more out of what was presented if that would make sense
0: yeah, yeah, I, I, I do see your point. Uh, sometimes I wonder if I should have spent a lot more time on, you know, the software or, or the technical aspects. I I was in software development. I didn't like it. I moved on from there. But seeing where the world is right now, I keep wondering, maybe I should have persisted. Maybe I, maybe I could have done well in development.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's those similar feelings that you kind of look at, well, maybe. But then that's kind of the curse for me, I would say, as a person that's a uh, has that intellectual curiosity where I've always like had that hunger to continually learn. Um, and I just see right now, I'm so fascinated with, you know, the technical side of, of, of it. It's how it's growing, just the technologies are coming out. So it's kind of one of those things where it's, it has that pull, but then my core values of being consistent, keep to your goal, keep to your focus is one of the things that prevent me from kind of jumping around if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I see that. So you, you touched upon this briefly, uh, but what's next for you?
1: So right now, uh, my focus is to move into a either two choices, whatever comes first. If it's going to be uh, move into a, a, a senior role um, or an officer role, or actually look into going into a doctor program within the next one or two years. So I'm looking uh, actually into a couple of UK programs um, Hmm. that have hybrids uh, that have hybrid uh, a structure so I can still work Um, and looking into a research-based university such as, you know, Manchester uh, School of Business. um, I see. You got Liverpool, uh, University of Liverpool. They have DBA programs that really, like I said, for my introvert analytical self, it's I really kind of want to sharpen those research skills and kind of see where that would take me for the future. But that would be the next, you know, next year goal is to kind of see, you know, career progression if it moves forward. If not, then we'll see what uh, college accepts me as a, as a student and then I will make that commitment for five years.
0: Yeah, and I think that's on with the goal. That's very interesting so so how do these programs work? Uh, you will have to be here full time so you will relocate to the u k if if that works out
1: no no actually so for example um, you got uh University of liverpool it's it's uh, online with on site so you know four or five times a year you go out for a week hmm. um, study on site if you were to look at uh, like they have a, a, a institute with california north uh CSU Northridge and uh, Grenoble um, School of Business, where you do one week out in France and then you do one week out in Northridge, and the rest is online courses. Um, so the DBA programs that they have now are flexible because they have that understanding that you are you're you're, you're ready you already have a career established um, compared to a traditional dba or phd where you actually are a student for you know two to five years
0: mm.
1: and then you finally get to go back into the workforce so those programs are what i'm looking at because it complements home life work life and also it gives me the capability to uh, extend the network to not only just us-based now it's that connection whether if it's going to be out in the uk if it's going to be out in spain um there are many uh, uh universities that have these dba programs and they're top tier, I mean, and they fall in you know top five, ten percent uh, in the world. And the only other uh, programs that compete are the full time programs, such as like Stanford, or Harvard, things like that. But that's kind of where the path is. And those are, you know, the choices that I'm I'm really uh, working on these applications to talk about my proposal and to get um, hopefully accepted into. Uh, a program choice so it seems like i'm doing it all over again
0: (laughs) (laughs) i see i see that 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 sounds really cool so is that something you'll again um do on the side while you know working on your full-time job
1: yes that's correct um once again full-time job (laughs) is i i have a I, i could stop now with the education and still have success and still be able to have that career progression that I'm looking at, but like I said, it's that intellectual curiosity where there's still that desire to learn. And and, and I think now when you go into a research-based uh, study, it's, it's really that academic uh, long-term studying analysis that I think that in the long run would be valuable uh, when I finally get that seat at uh, the officer level for a corporation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that sounds fair. How, how does your family feel about that? (laughs) (laughs) So they don't know, do they?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. So it's, I I have a very supportive family. That's one of the key things when you're looking into an MBA program. Um, it's going to take a lot of time and how you are going to be able to sustain yourself is with the support of your family, um, through these two particular type of programs, because they're going to be there when you're pulling late hours and all that stuff. So it's, I have a very supportive family so anything I've ever uh, been able to uh set my my eyes on and make that commitment decision to go for it they're they're in full support.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. That's really admirable uh, that you still have the energy to go for uh, another course with with similar circumstances. That, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Um so uh, Michael just one question which is um quite uh specific. <laughs> Uh, if I placed you in a room with you know MBA program directors and lecturers from Pepperdine what would you tell them to try and give some tips and insights uh, as, as to how your course was and uh, are there any improvements that they could make
1: i I would think uh, improvements would have been on you know with Pepperdine you had uh, uh, you know the Southern California campus you um, in Malibu, and then you had a satellite campus in Los Angeles, and then you got a, a Northern uh, California campus in in the Bay Area. And so, I would say more so, if you're to have the the course content geared specific to that area, um, you know, the the Los Angeles uh, business market is different from the Bay Area, such as um, you know, New York is different from the East Coast, so I would say just overall content um, have more applicable uh, applicable material to to that region. Uh, and the programs, they would have instructors flying from down south up to you know, the Bay Area, and and don't get me wrong, the professors are extremely qualified and held various various roles with with industries. It's just kind of one of those things. I think that was kind of one of the common themes of complaints with, with the students was, you know, current use cases, um, along with, you know, is what we're learning really applicable just down in Southern California, or we need something more focused in Silicon Valley of, you know, we're right smack in the middle, a change. And, you know, so that's kind of really one of those things that I would say, um, if I could give feedback, but for me overall, I had a very positive experience, um, with the program itself and just minor stuff. Because if, if, uh, I'm one of those resourceful individuals that if there's something I want to learn, I put it, you know, in a notebook and I always go down the path to make sure that I learn it. It's kind of, that's, that's my drawback. So I really wish I could give you more negative, um, (laughs) and feedback, but I really don't have that. And that's not just because, it's it's you know I'm an alumni from Pepperdine University. There's really nothing that I could say because I had a very positive experience. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. I I think I think that's a good point. Nevertheless, you know because uh, you know the programs, the program directors, and the programs know what kind of people are going to come in, and I think with the executive MBA, there's a certain amount of advantage um, that they can tailor the program specific to the cohort because, you know everyone's taking off their experience to the relevant uh, companies and relevant industries. In a full-time MBA, I could say yes, there needs to be some kind of generic uh, structure because you have no idea where people might go. But in exec, there, there is potential opportunity to make it um, more specific and make it more tailored if, if they really want to, you know, explore that part. So yeah, it is a good point.
1: Yeah, and I agree, and that's one thing that actually you just uh, reminded me. It really was, I mean, when you go through this interview process and you go through selection and, you know, when, when you realize that they select, uh, your cohort really is, is a diverse background. As I mentioned, we had banking, um, you know, missile systems, satellites, things, uh, healthcare, different industries. And when you really look at it, it's kind of a – every everybody brings a piece to the puzzle. Um, and so it really was the – it really was a, a customized educational plan for that, that two years specific to that group compared to a full-time mm-hmm. MBA where you start going through each chapter of the book very systematically. Um, so maybe that would be the difference. Uh, maybe if I went into a full-time MBA, I would have more of a feedback to provide you. but. <laughs>
0: I apologize. I don't. No, 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 no. That's great. I mean, you're the you're the first one of Pepperdine as as well. So, <laughs> so it, it'll be it'll be good to get uh, any kind of perspective on this. Now, Michael, we're almost out of time. But are you okay to for just a couple of minutes more? Yes, I am. Okay, great. Uh, you know this this question I, I usually end up asking. Um, what is the one thing you wish I had asked you?
1: Um what is one thing I wish you would have asked me? Honestly, it's, I can't think of anything that, that I would have wish you would ask me. You covered my introduction. We, we went through a flow. We asked me, you know, about the program. I provided my experience. I talked about my aspiration goals and the reasons why I made these choices. Um, and, and, really i think i think you got a whole picture of of why i chose an mba program so it's i really can't sell you
0: cool so i mean alternatively you know are there are there any final thoughts or tips or advice you want to give to people who are you know considering doing an mba
1: yes definitely as i mentioned earlier um when you go down the path, first off, if you're in the states, I don't know. I, I have you know minimal knowledge of how uh, um, the college programs are in in the UK, but in the states, really focus on what type of MBA program you want to get into. Research the difference between a profit and a nonprofit college. Um, some individuals that go down an MBA path choose. Uh, the wrong college and pretty much you're just paying for, you know, a piece of paper and you don't get the frameworks that you're going to need or that's what you wanted into entering a program. Um, So do an internal check. Look at the frameworks that you have, the skill sets that you have, what area you want to focus and target. Look at the MBA program. Find the one that uh, that is a match to your current uh, your current uh, lifestyle, your current family constraints and everything. And then from there, look at how you will be able to leverage it um, to sharpen those skills. And then from there, once you sharpen those existing skills, then you can look at the new skills that, you know, that you want to focus in sharpening on. Um, That's really kind of the best approach that I would say is really look at, look at that. And then what does the school have to offer? What's the alumni uh, support system? What is the network capability that they have? Who are the the faculty where they come from Were they prior uh you know a vp ceos of um of you know corporations or whatnot so you want that real world experience and you know what opportunities that it can be presented to you to change your mindset on you know how to leverage that mba to be able to sustain your personal growth and future
0: yeah yeah absolutely good points uh Michael, this has been this has been amazing. <laughs> Thanks a lot for uh, you know spending spending time to talk to us today. Uh, actually, we just we touched upon briefly before we started recording. But what what got you motivated to even come on the show?
1: Honestly, it's you reached out and I saw value because I was in that same uh, situation when I was trying to choose an MBA program, uh, doing that research, and for me, it was trying to filter out. Difference between top tier education, profit, nonprofit colleges, and and you start going down a path of like, you know, where can I go? And then of course, when you talk to uh, fellow MBAs, they always always have that connection to the school that I went to, or you hear horrible experiences. So for me, I I, I find the platform that you use and what you're doing and what you're sharing and how you connect from um, uh, you connect from different colleges to really kind of provide a solid viewpoint of the student um, so that at least that could be weighed in into the decision making for, you know, that that person that is uh, considering going down a graduate path
0: yeah absolutely absolutely uh, right on that that's the hope at least <laughs> um yes. so so hopefully it does contribute a lot to people's uh, decisions as as they think about this uh, michael it's been an absolute pleasure thanks a lot um you know for for spending time talking to us how how can people know more about you and and get in touch with you
1: so you and you can reach me out via linkedin and it's uh michael pena and if you do uh specific Gas and Electric in the search, you will find me. And I'm open to consulting, open to uh, mentoring. And if you have any questions or anything, feel free to reach out. I'll be more than happy to share what knowledge I have.
0: Perfect, thanks a lot. And you know, if anyone wants to reach across to Michael, you can always uh, contact me at avinas at thembajam.com. And I'm more than happy to pass on the reference to Michael going, going, for, going from there. Uh, Michael, thank you once again. <laughs>
1: having us. Thank you for reaching out to me. It was a pleasure. And thank you for what you
0: do. No worries. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to The MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to the mbajam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.